0: Well, you have already heard Rudolph is with us this morning. And um, uh, we are greatly thrilled to have Rich as part of our missionary family. Of course, Ken and Jenner are with us, and Tricia and the Rudolphs were longtime members here at Heritage. And I just want to say, if you did not know, Clark Summit University yesterday morning in their graduation ceremony Uh, gave to Ken an honorary doctorate, and uh, that was a a great thrill to be able to be there. Much deserved to Ken, and he gave the graduation address as well. And of course, we have been supporting Ken and Jenner for a lot of years. They've just retired this past year, uh, but uh, will always be part of the Heritage family. And it's great to see that uh, legacy continuing on with Rich and Julia. And there are three kids. The family is not able to be with Richard, but uh, I I said to him, I put my arm around him just as we were standing there. I said, can you believe? Here's little Richard Rudolph, right? (laughs) Um, As we used to (laughs) talk about and, and grew up here at Heritage. And we as a church have been supporting Richard and Julia and their ministry in Germany for the last 10 years. I can't believe that. That's just... Would you start when you're 15 over there? It's like, <laughs> wow. But anyway, uh, we're thrilled to have Richard here and to share an update on the ministry there in Germany. There's some significant, th- significant things going on. And then, of course, he's going to open the Word of God for us. So, uh, Rich, come on. And uh, we are Thanks. thrilled to have Thank you here you. this morning. So. <clears throat> well,
1: it is always a great privilege to be here with you guys. Um, like Glenn said, I, I did grow up in this church 21 years. Uh, Glenn's office was my old nursery. <laughs> and um, some of you are very familiar faces that I've known from the past, and some of them are new. And um, sometimes I remember, though, at church, we used to have a church this way, actually, the, the auditorium. And um, I remember sometimes I would talk or do something during the service and uh, get in trouble. Someone would come tell my parents, or my Sunday school teacher would come tell my parents. So today. If I see you acting out and talking, after the service, I'm calling your parents. So watch out today. Rules have reversed. So it's great, though. It's a great privilege to be here with you guys. God used this church and many of your lives to speak into my life and our ministry, and so we are so thankful for that. Um, God used our time, whether it be in children's ministry or uh, being in the youth ministry, and even when I went to Baptist Bible College and I was at Clark Summit University, to be able to be here and call this my home church so it's great it's a great time to be back my family we have been in Germany since 2013 Um, you guys have been supporting us since 2012 and uh, it's just been a huge blessing huge blessing to see what God has done and um, I'm going to share a little bit about what God has done and then I want to share about what God is doing and where God is moving us next and what what we believe the Lord has for us so it's very exciting stuff going on and then I want to go into God's Word and share with you um, what he's laid on my heart. So I just kind of want to share where your support has gone for the last nine years. Um, you guys have been generous to us, huge partner with us, and um, at this moment uh, we have now planted our, our first church in Sankt Wendel, Germany. We have handed the ministry now over to our national partners that were there, um, and you can go to the, that's that picture of the slide. Um, We have raised up leaders from within our church to take that, which is always the goal of missions, to find men that can be leaders and hand that ministry over to them to lead the church. And uh, that picture in that bottom right corner is a picture of some of those people that are part of that and uh, have allowed us to be a part of that great uh, transfer process. And we're so thankful for what the Lord has done. Your prayers have been a huge part of that. Your prayers and your support have been a huge part of that. Even in the last two years of COVID, uh, April 3rd was the first day that they have not had any mass restrictions or um, restrictions of not having to be uh, um, close next to one another. I don't know what that's called. um, Social distancing, thank you. German word kept coming to my mouth, that's my mind. Um, And the church could meet finally on April 3rd after two years of having restrictions. And so it's been a very, very hard time in our church life there in Germany. For the last two years where we were, we were in a different building for 18 months. We couldn't even meet in our old building because it was too small. Um, So there was a lot of things that were going on. But in the midst of that, God is always working and God is always good, amen? I always say there's no COVID clause in the Bible. Didn't mean like we just packed it up and said we're not doing missions anymore. Um, We were, when we looked to see what happened during COVID, we still say it, it was a huge time that God still blessed and, and it was still worth what we were doing and what we saw, saw God do. And you see this picture of the girl up there in that top um, corner, her name is Azal. And um, during our first couple months, we had to meet in this old Catholic church that was bombed out in World War II and it was rebuilt and it's like this big factory that fits like a thousand people and it's freezing and we couldn't have heat on. And it was so cold, I, I bought electric socks to preach in because I could like barely feel my feet. And when it gets winter over there, it is cold. I mean, it's cold. We could see our breath in the service, um, wearing you know winter jackets. And and one day, this girl just just shows up at church, and uh, opens the door. And it was after the service. I'm like, oh, oh, hi, hi, can we help you? And she's like, I'm looking uh, for a church. Is this where I could learn more about God? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm very glad that you are here today. So we got all excited and we found out she lived a couple doors down from us and um, we became a friend and and we invited her to church again. We're like, well, you gotta come to church. And what's amazing is that if we were not there, it would have been another Catholic church. And so she came in looking for God and so we started inviting her over and we just did with her what we always do with everybody who starts coming to church. We just say, do you wanna do a Bible study together? She said, yes. So we started doing Bible study with her for a month, my wife and myself, and she'd come over to our house and just spend a lot of time with our kids and have a great time. And month after month, we're going through the scriptures and you can see just the blindness start to go away until one day in April of 2021, she got saved. And we looked back and we told our church, was it worth being displaced for 18 months so that one soul could come to know Christ? Yeah. I mean, God is still working in the midst of that, that hardship that we went through as a church and we lost people and we had fights and we all did in ministry and in our normal lives. But in the midst of all that, we look and we say, God is still good and God is still moving and God is saving people. God is always working. And we are so encouraged and your prayers help bring her soul to the Lord. So we need your prayers. We need them as we move into this next season of life as well. I just wanna give you also some awesome things that God did during our first nine years there. Uh, Our church was able to grow uh, leaps and bounds. We saw 20 people baptized and more saved in our little church there. We were able to share the gospel with over hundreds of people through our different outreaches. Our church was able to help restore another church, which is awesome, the church was gonna close and our church came in and said, no, we're gonna help preach and we're gonna help stabilize your church. You guys were generous and gave to a church planning center that's kind of this hub for our six different churches in our network. And through that church planning center, God put that exactly in the right time during a refugee crisis in 2016. And we were able to build that church planning center, and there we were able to invite refugees from all over to come and meet there, and through those Bible studies with those refugees, we saw over 70 come to Christ and baptized. I mean, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, God is working, and, and your gifts and your prayers are on your account. That is what the labor of what that partnership in the gospel looks like. We've been able to use that church planning seminar for seminars and leadership trainings for our region and, and kids camps. We've been able to use it for outreaches, for even having missions teams come. And at the moment, there are two young men uh, being trained for full-time ministry there. So God is at work. god is doing great things and one of the guys who's being trained for full-time ministry was a refugee that got saved and baptized under our ministry and he feels the call for ministry in his life i mean and he's living in the church planning center married a german i mean god is always at work and god is always doing great things but we need your prayers because we want to see god continue to do those things and he wants to keep doing those things and uh this last year we were ready to go back to germany we're ready to go back to songbendel where we were and and kind of take on another new role and kind of see what church planting would look like and help out another church planting endeavor or restoration endeavor but there's some things that have taken place in our life as a family that are changing our ministry which are sad in one way that we mourn but yet we rejoice at what god has for us we believe in the future um, we have some educational needs for one of our children, and, and through that process, we discovered we couldn't really live where we were anymore. We live in a very rural German town. Like, nobody speaks English. There's not more than one school. There's not educational opportunities. It's just there. It's, it's If you picture, like, I don't know, Annie the movie, I guess, it's would kind of be like that. Or not Annie, what was that? Heidi? Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. Annie too, sure. <clears throat> but very rural German Call it called the Scranton of Germany. <laughs> it's like this coal mining town is just down the road from us. I'm like, Lord, you really knew where you were putting me. And um, during those times, we thought, well, do we need to move off the mission field? What do we need to do? And, and through different conversations and many research for, since February, we finally came to the conclusion that we have to leave that area, but we needed to find a new area, and that's where we believe the Lord is now taking us to a new opportunity, which, um, Lord willing, will be maybe in Berlin, Germany. So you can be praying for that with us, and we all know that we have our beloved Christy Walker sent from us in Berlin, Germany. So we've had many conversations with her, and uh, we're seeing if the Lord would allow us to move there. And so right now we're in this transition process. Where we're praying and saying, Lord, we believe this is where we can go and be fruitful in ministry and help plant another church and uh, just direct and guide us and open up doors. So just a couple of prayer requests that I would ask you is, would you pray that the Lord would direct us? And he would open up the doors explicitly where we are to be as a family next because we believe it's there but we see through the book of acts sometimes the lord closes doors and open doors so pray that the spirit would lead and just pray for that transition for our children as they are leaving their home i mean they were there for for their whole life so for them they they consider themselves like i'm german i i grew up in Songvendel, you know so for them it's a whole new life for them to think about that and um just pray as we move into this new area of our life. And so please, um, as our, one of our home churches, just please partner with us in that next step. And so we've enjoyed it. We love Germany. We feel the calling for, f- to serve the Lord and to keep planting churches until the Lord tells us not to. That's always been our call. Lord, we're going until you tell us to stay. And we want to keep seeing souls saved. We want to see you continue to do things. And we know that God has, a we believe, a next great step for us over there, so... We're excited. We're excited you guys get to be a part of that. And please pray for us as we do that. Um, My family, we've been on furlough for a little bit right now. And right before we came on furlough, I'm going to transition to our message here. Right before we came on furlough, um, I'm driving my car, and this big red light came on. And it was loud. And it was like, (laughs) and it was red. And I'm not joking. There was like this big of a red light. And it said, Motorstörung. I mean, that sounds bad, right? And it's like, eh, eh, And I'm like driving my car. I'm like, do I pull over? Is my car going to blow up? What do I do? I'm freaking out. And I was at this stoplight and I pulled over as soon as I could. And I, I, I know what it means. It means check engine light. I mean, in America, when the check engine light comes on, it's this ye- little yellow thing. You're like, what does that say? Classic Germans, they want to scare the living, everything out of you and say, get off the road. Your car's going to blow up. And I felt like that. I pulled it over and I'm checking around. I call my friend. I'm like, he knows cars. I'm like, hey, check engine light came on. He's like, all right, well, you need to get a mechanic. (laughs) Means something's wrong. I'm, I'm like, I know, but it's really loud and it's crazy. It's like, yeah, welcome to Germany, right? We always do things to scare people. And at that moment, I have a couple different choices. One is I go and take it to the mechanic. Why? Because something is wrong in the car. Or I can, number two, ignore the problem and keep going. So what do you think I did? I did what every good man would do, and I sold the car. (laughs) I knew I was leaving, and I told the guy the check engine light's on, it's yours, you know. But those check engine lights come on because there's a problem going on underneath the hood. And during the last two years of COVID, I think, especially in my life, there was a time that that check engine light was going off in my life where God was telling me there's not everything right under the hood in your heart. That light was blinking and going off. And I could either ignore it or I could take it into the service station and figure it out. And the Lord was trying to show me, Rich... During this time of COVID, you have lost your eyes for the lost world around you. You've lost your eyes for the passion of Jesus Christ and his gospel and sharing that because you're so consumed with all these little things in your life and in your church that you're missing the main thing. And you lost your passion for the story while you're here. And I'm going to ask you some questions to see if your check engine light's going off in your heart. The same thing that the Lord pressed on my heart. I'm going to ask you today, and I want you to answer these and to see where you are right now. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? If you have not shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody in the last month, I think your check engine light might be going off. Number two, how many friends do you have that are not followers of Jesus Christ? And that doesn't mean the neighbor that you wave to as you drive into your garage and close the door and never talk to them. A friend is somebody you have to your house and you eat a meal with, How many friends do you have that are not followers of Jesus Christ? If it's zero, that check engine light should be going off. How much time do you spend with your unbelieving friends? If the answer is zero, or maybe once every three months, that check engine light should be going off. And this is the one that the Lord really convicted me about. If God answered every prayer request this week that I prayed for my unbelieving friends to come to know Jesus and to enter into a relationship with them, how many of those friends would have been saved? I realized I stopped praying for my unbelieving friends. I was praying for my own problems. And I lost sight of who was lost and around my life, that who needed Jesus. And And the Lord was blowing these lights and he's saying, hey, you forgot what you're here for. After answering those questions, is your check engine light going off in your heart? Have you lost the passion for the story of Jesus? Is the passion not there what it used to be in your life? I'm discipling a young man who just came to faith, and he came from a crazy background, and he's right now going to be starting to do Bible studies with five of his unbelieving friends. And he asked me, he said, Rich, why did nobody tell me the gospel till now? Why is it that nobody that's a Christian that's around me in this church that I just got saved in, why is nobody doing Bible studies with unbelievers? Why have people stopped sharing this good news? And this guy's passionate. He's on fire. Why? Because he just discovered how beautiful this is. When we, the first time you ever go to the Alps, you start driving. And this is what I told him. It's like when you're driving to the Alps and you see it from far away and you just get out your camera and your iPhone, you start taking pictures. Like every mile, you're just taking pictures. And the people that are in the car are like, it's going to get better. This is going to get better. Like you are literally just taking pictures the whole time. And then you start driving into the Alps and you're taking pictures and then you're driving, driving. And all of a sudden you are in the midst of the Alps. You're in this little quaint town and people are just walking around like it's normal, but not you. You are taking pictures of everything. You're taking pictures of sidewalks, you're taking pictures of the water, you're taking pictures of this, and you're doing every angle possible. Why? Because the beauty you have discovered is so amazing. You're like, I got to show everybody this. And you start looking around, you're like, what's the matter with the people that live here? Why are they taking pictures? Why aren't they in awe? What happened? And you know what happened? They got used to it. They live there. It's normal for them. that's often with us in the church, Christ has become so normal to us that we stop standing in awe of the mountains and saying, I can't believe you live here. And that's what happens when someone comes to Christ. They have this passion, desire. My question, have you lost it? So today I want to look at the story in Matthew 9. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. If not, it's okay. Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. And I want to look at the story of how Matthew comes to be a follower of Christ and see how we can learn from this story how to intentionally live like Jesus did in order to share his story. And I hope that through today, through the story of the scriptures, we can discover this passion again for sharing the story of Jesus Christ. So if you're taking notes, This is the title. Three actions. Today I want to look at three actions that will help us intentionally share the gospel with our community. Three actions that will help us intentionally share the gospel with our community. I'm going to read here starting in verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose, and he followed him. And Jesus reclined at table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Number one, the first action if we are going to live intentionally to reach Clark Summit for Jesus Christ. Number one, go outside the walls of this building. Number one, go outside the walls of this building. If we want to be intentional to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to go outside the walls of Heritage Baptist Church Monday through Saturday. Jesus does this constantly. Jesus went and found Matthew not in a synagogue to be his disciple. Jesus goes to a place where Matthew is already there at his job. He's at a place where he's working. See, Jesus could have called very religious good people to follow him. That would have been my choice. Okay, where are the people that are already good? I'm going to go look for them. Go to the synagogue, go find them and bring them to come work for you. Instead, Jesus goes and he seeks out a man who is considered a traitor and not liked very well to his own countrymen. He was a tax collector. And you're like, Rich, we all hate taxes. They hated him back then too. You're like, you should see my tax return. It's government stealing. They stole back then too. So, the, the tax collectors were viewed as traitors working for the Roman government, would take money, take extra for themselves. And Jesus goes to a man who had been hated, despised, and he finds him at his job, and he comes to him and says, Follow me. That's something that we have to see right there in the text. Jesus seeks his disciples and goes and calls them the people who need him desperately continually outside at their workplace. We don't see him calling them inside the synagogues. We see him going out and calling his disciples where? Monday through Saturday, where their workplaces are. People who don't know Jesus, I know this is going to blow our mind, people who don't know Jesus are not lining up to come into Heritage Baptist Church on a Sunday. Do you know that? There's not like a line of 500 people and be like, I hope there's a seat available really got to get in here. I've never gone and pulled up to a church where I saw 500 people waiting to get in because they're like, I just have to hear about Jesus. Never seen that. Sometimes we get an occasional person that comes or one or two. We see that in Germany as well. You get the occasional person, but there's no line. Why? Because Sunday morning, what are people doing? They're golfing. They're having brunch. They're going for a walk. They're having a slow day we're here. Why? Because we want to worship Jesus. They're not coming. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. So my question is, are we relying on just the church service on Sunday morning to be the only avenue in which we reach people for Jesus Christ? If we are just sitting here Sunday morning, crossing our fingers and praying and saying, Jesus, I hope you send somebody today, we're not living intentionally like Jesus did. Jesus didn't sit around and just say, I hope there's somebody at the synagogue today that I can find to be a follower. No, he went to where they were at their workplace and said, follow me. He was intentional, and he went out there and sought them where they already were. What is the primary way that you are relying on reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the primary way that you are using to reach others with the the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe you're thinking, man, my, my Facebook posts, that's going to get them all. Rich, you should see, Turner Burn, I post that every day. I don't have any converts, but I'm going to keep posting, brother. Or, or maybe you're thinking today, you know what? That pastoral staff, if they don't grow this church, they're in trouble. Pastor Glenn, we got to see this place doubled. Guess what? It's not the pastor's only job to see people come to Christ. Did you know that? It is the call of every single disciple that is a follower of Christ to what? Make more disciples? I know that's crazy sounding to us in the western culture. We pay these pastors. What are they doing, man? They're shepherding the flock. (laughs) Training you to go out to do the work of the ministry. Go out and be part of the harvest. Monday through Saturday. And come back here and get refreshed to go back out. If we keep thinking the only way is Sunday mornings we have forgotten what Jesus did go outside to meet people at the gym Brown's gym is still here after 50 years get a membership get a join a basketball team join a rec league I don't know what women do for fun but go do what the women do for fun where other women are men it's usually sports women I I don't know when we were in Germany, we would, we would do everything possible to join meet people. We had children's playgroups. I even joined our city basketball team. We were really bad, but I was on it. And I know you're looking at me right now, you're like, Rich, I think I know what your hobby was to reach people for Christ. Looking at me up here, you're like, you definitely are a bodybuilder. <laughs> you definitely put up like 20 reps of 225, I can tell, so that's what you use. It is true, I did use the gym as a way to try to meet people, but it's not my hobby. I know that's world shattering to all of you. So when we moved to Germany, there was not a line to come to our church. Our church had a terrible location, nobody wanted to come. We were there for six months, I'm like, where is everybody? Well, guess what, no one's coming, nobody cares, nobody wants Jesus, go home. Well, we have to go find where people are. So I got a gym membership, because you're like, obviously. And I started working out there and just seeing who I could meet and talk to guys. And one day I met a guy who's my friend, who became my friend. And we started working out together. And the only reason I was going to the gym was to be his friend because I don't like working out. And I would wake up early at six in the morning. We'd go and we'd work out together. Sometimes we'd go late at night together. And we would work and we'd just start becoming, becoming friends. I had to go where people were. And slowly we would talk about life. Slowly, we would talk about family. Slowly, we would talk about what? The gospel, because why that's changed me. And over time, after two years, you know what's amazing? Is that he actually became a Christian. He never would have darkened the doors of my church, ever. And he says that. I never would have come to church. I don't, was not looking for God. I don't want anything to do with God. But we had to go where they were. And we need to find where the people constantly are, and living on purpose with Jesus outside the walls of these church and looking for people like Jesus looked for Matthew. And guess what? If we start looking for people like Jesus did, you're gonna find Matthews all over the place. You're gonna begin to see the world like Jesus saw the world. And that the people outside these walls are the ones who are in desperate need of the Savior. And that leads us to number two. Number two, the second action that we must take to live intentionally To reach Clark Summit for Jesus Christ. Number one, or number two, go on the mission with others. Bring others with you. Don't go alone. Number two, go on the mission with others. Go on this mission with others. Number two, go on this mission with others. Right after Matthew decides to follow Jesus, Matthew does something amazing. Matthew invites Jesus and his disciples to come and have a party with him and he intentionally invites his old friends to come and meet his new friends. I love what it says here in Luke 5, 29. It says, and Levi, that's Matthew, made him a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. And and it says in verse 10 of Matthew 9 that Jesus and his disciples were there. Matthew's friends were what? Other tax collectors, other bad people. It says tax collectors and sinners. He was not running with the best crowd. These people's reputation was not very good. But Matthew, who just had his life changed by Jesus, says, I've got to do something because why? My old friends need Jesus. So he brings his old friends and intentionally he brings his new friends. Why? because his new friends are the salt and light that have the good news that can be on display. Jesus practiced this all the time with his disciples. They were always together. And when he sent them out on their first mission trip, he sends them out in twos together. And if we are desiring to live on mission as Heritage Baptist Church and to share the gospel with our community here at Clark Summit, don't go alone. Don't go alone, but bring others with you from the body of Christ. You have to hear today a community of believers that will show you that you are not alone in this world, in this walk with Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? You can look around here today and say, I have a body of Christ that is supporting me and is with me on this great mission to share the gospel. The local church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, with the word of God, is the most unstoppable force on this earth. Amen? Amen? Nothing can stop the Holy Spirit. Nothing can stop God. And yet we often just sit and do nothing in community to go reach our neighbors. I love what Jesus says in John 13. He says, they will know your love for me by your love for one another. He says this in 1334. He says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And my question is, how can the world around us, of our unbelieving friends, ever see our love for one another and that we are Christ's disciples if we are never with other disciples of Jesus? It's not possible. That's why Matthew brings his new friends to meet his old friends so that they can show the great apologetic of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ together and to display that love. We need to be involving our Christian friends to become our unbelieving friends, friends. And as a team, begin to share Christ together because that gives us courage. We're not fearful when we go out in twos. We're together on this mission. We're gonna pray together, we're gonna tag team. We saw that in my, the, my, my friend Daniel's life. We had people in our church investing with me to get to know him. It was unbelievable. There's an amazing story of, I have some other ones, but this is an amazing story, of just having one of my friends here actually in stateside and he said one day his neighbor, they would always talk about lawn stuff. He's like, I just got sick of talking about lawn stuff. So he said, you know what? I'm just gonna share the gospel with him. So he goes and he shares the gospel with his neighbor and he gets saved. Same thing. This new guy is passionate for Jesus Christ and he goes, if this is true, why are we not doing a Bible study with every guy in this neighborhood? So he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start every Tuesday night having dinner with all the men who ever want to come from the neighborhood, and we're going to invite every single one to come, and we're going to through Bible together. So he started with two guys, and they were at five. Then went five guys to 10 guys, five guys of 15, and they started inviting all these guys from their neighborhood to come, and these guys are slowly getting saved and baptized. Why? Because they went on mission together. They just said, we brought food, we brought the Bible, and we went through it together. And they're seeing a whole neighborhood transformed for Jesus Christ. It's amazing when we actually go on mission together, what we're able to do and encourage one another and see what Jesus does. At our church, we do these same things in Germany. We do men's nights where we go bowling and the women have breakfast that they do together or, or different crafts that they do together to invite people to or dinner things we go out to eat a lot with people we'll go to a chocolate factory with people and say invite everyone for that's your unbelieving friend we're gonna to go to this chocolate factory together everyone loves chocolate and we just live life together and invite unbelievers to come and join us so how are we at heritage purposefully bringing others from our church to help us share the mission and sharing the gospel how are you purposefully setting up ways for you to invite your friends from heritage and your friends who don't know jesus to be at your house so that they can see the love of christ and hear the story of jesus how are you purposely doing that think about that that leads us to number three the third point here we need to learn to love the mess around us number three learn if we want to intentionally reach Clark's home for Jesus Christ we need number three learn to love the mess around us and I don't like this point I don't like messes and they are hard but this is amazing Jesus is there with his disciples verse 11 it says when the Pharisees saw Jesus when they saw this they said to his disciples why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners but when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is there with his disciples, and of course he's getting critique from who? The Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, the clean people of that day, and Jesus gets backlash. Why? Because he's going out to be with those who need him. And his response is, Doctors visit sick people. And healthy people don't visit doctors. I know that's crazy, right? He goes on to tell the Pharisees, I want you to learn what this means. I want mercy, loving kindness, not sacrifice. See, the Pharisees had all the rituals right on the outside. If you were to look at them, you're like, that's who I want to model my life after. These guys, they look great. They were wonderful. They had all the rituals. They were doing all the things that they thought they were doing. But guess what? They didn't live in the mess that Jesus tried to live into the people who needed him. They had no heart that we see the heart of the Father through the scriptures. They just did things that look good, but yet their hearts were so far away and never there where Jesus was. And we can have all the rituals right. We can come on Sundays. We can read our Bibles. We can pray. And have all these rituals right but if we do not see the world and have a heart for the sick around us we are just like the pharisees how many of you have ever been to a doctor's office before let's see hands come on all right you always get the occasional person after church it's like i've never been to a doctor's office they're quacks (laughs) all right that's where you want to stand for the purpose of the illustration you've been to a doctor's office every time i've gone to a doctor's office I go there and I open the door and there's like a guy, number one, they're like, please check in. The, the pen you look, you're like, man, everyone and their mother is sick and they've touched this pen. I got to sign in with it sign in and then you want to wash your hands and then you sit down next to a guy with a fever and he's just like oh and you're like oh i don't want to sit next to him so you change seats and you go to the next person and that person is like throwing up and they look bad they look really white as a ghost it's like i'm so sick and you're like i don't want to be by them and then you go to the next guy and he's coughing and you're like i don't want to be here because i'm going to get more sick sick people are what they're looking for healing They're looking. When when sick people go to the doctor, they're waving the white flag saying, I need help. That's why I'm here. I'm here because this is the only person that's gonna be able to probably give me medicine to get rid of this problem I have. That's why I'm here. That's why sick people go to doctors. And that's what Jesus is reminding us here is that everybody that is sick is the world around us who need that doctor to get the healing. Why? Because sick people need Jesus. And he reminds us that the world around us is sick. They need the love of the Father and his desires that they would come into a relationship with him. Jesus knows that those who need the relationship with him, that need his love, are the messy and broken and bad people in this world, which guess what? Every single one of us here are one of those people. All of us are sick and broken and needy. Our broken and messy lives, though, have never stopped Jesus from pursuing us. Amen? It has never stopped Jesus from pursuing us. And guess what? It shouldn't stop us from pursuing Clark Summit either. It shouldn't stop us from pursuing our friend or or somebody in our friend circles that are messy and messed up. Maybe you're asking today, well, Rich, what did Jesus really do to love my mess? I mean, I'm a good guy. I pay my bills. I love my family. Jesus loves us so much that he goes out in the midst and the wor- of our worst crimes and actions and sins. And it says that while we were yet enemies with God, enemies, each and every single one of us were enemies with God, he still said, I'm gonna come and die for you. I'm still going to come and love you so much that I'm gonna live the perfect example and I'm gonna live the perfect life in your place because you can't do it. You're not holy enough, you're not good enough, you have failed in so many ways, I've gotta do it for you. And he said, not only am I going to live in your place perfectly, but I'm going to take the punishment for your death and pay it perfectly. And so that the wrath of the God, of our, because of our sins, will be poured out on me so that you never have to experience this pain and this suffering and the wrath of the Father. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to drink it all in for you so that you never can experience that and you just are going to experience forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. And I'm going to take your broken life And I'm going to exchange it with my healed life and give you a healed life. Amen? Amen. That's how Jesus came to love our mess in the midst of our worst things we've ever done. And he said, I'm going to die in your place. And I'm going to love you. And my heart is for those people because they need me more than anything. And that's why Jesus said, go and learn what this means. Learn what real love means jump into the mess of the world around you. And if we grasp the love of Jesus that he had for us, that while we were yet sinners and enemies with God, if we can grasp that, guess what? We will gain the passion for the world around us and say, Jesus, you love me so much. I need to go love the mess around me because that's me. When I see the world, I I just see a mirror of myself. And I know that they need this because I have received the healing. That was so unbelievable. But guess what, it's hard and it's messy. We see Jesus jumping in with tax collectors and sinners. We don't know their backstories, but it seems like the people that the Lord brings to us are hard and messy and it doesn't get easier. We've been in Germany for nine years. The CEO of Porsche has never been to my church. I keep waiting, Lord, where's the CEO of this multi-million dollar company? But instead God sends us broken and messy people and I don't like that sometimes. One Sunday we had someone bring somebody who had a messy and hard background in life. And he came and we started learning about his problems and we started uh, meeting with him and he had no job. His girlfriend was pregnant. Um, His life was an absolute mess as a kid. And all these things and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, this is a mess I want nothing to do with. Why? Because it's hard. It's going to take me hours in time. But guess what? Jesus kept saying, you're messy and I love you so we started loving on this guy we got him a car we got him a job we bought clothes for him we helped him in so many ways we went through Bible study together we're going through Bible study together but his life had so many different things going on in it that he made some poor decisions and him and his girlfriend just got into it and it was a, a bad scene and one night I get a call with my Bible study someone calls me from the church like you got to get over there it's bad I'm like oh boy So I grab another elder with me and drive by another guy's house. I'm like, we're all dying, we're dying together, come on. So we go, I don't wanna get stabbed alone. So we go, we go over to the house and we knew it was bad there and we knock on the door and we pull him out of the house and we're, we're, we're sharing with him like, don't throw your life away. Jesus has so much more for you. Don't throw your life away. Don't burn bridges. Just think about right now your life. And it was a mess and it was still hard. And he said, no, I'm gonna throw it all away and he left, and he abandoned the church, and burned all the bridges, and you sit there, and you're like, Lord, what is going on? This last year, in 2021, while we were in the States, I get a message from him. He said, hey, I've just discovered the show, The Chosen. I've made some big mistakes in my life, but I do want to rediscover who Jesus is, and I want this back in my life. So I wrote, I said, he said, can I meet with you? I said, well, I'm not in Germany right now, but I'm going to connect you with somebody. So I wrote somebody and I said, Hey, w- would you be willing to meet with him? Because he's coming back. And our church, some people were so fed up and so angry about this. And this guy responds to me, I said, Would you meet with him over coffee and just see where he's at and see how we can help him? And he wrote back and his one word answer was nine. No. And I was so mad. And then Jesus said to me, But Rich, how often do you see the person in need? and say no. How often is the messy person in front of you and you look at that situation and you say, no, I'm better than this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't have time for this. This last week we were at Waffle House, which again, you're like, why are we at Waffle House? One of the kids wanted to eat there. Terrible decision. (laughs) I was very sick afterwards. But we go there and the waitress comes up and I was like, hey, how are you doing today? And, and I love just trying to talk with these people. And, and she goes, not good. I was like, oh, why not? Well, my house just burned down. And I'm in charge of all my siblings. I don't have mom and dad. <laughs> Whoa, can I share Christ with you and pray with you right now? And, and immediately I'm like, this is a mess. What am I going to do? Oh, God bless. Like, Can you get us our waffles? But instead, the love of Christ just... In, as I'm thinking about this message, saying, This is the mess in front of you. What are you going to do? You're going to turn away and ask for waffles? You're going to say, Can I pray with you, share Christ with her? Give her your number and say, This is the church we go to. We want to help you. We have two options whenever we hit those stories. And I said, My kids want to eat a Waffle House today because of you. And we gave our number. We said, We go to this church. We want to help you. Please contact us. I don't know what will happen. Stories like that happen all the time though. Why? Because the world around us is full of mess. Because they're broken in need of Jesus Christ. We can't forget that in the midst of our broken, sick lives that the doctor came to us and said, I want to heal you. And someone brought us to that doctor. Amen? Where would you be without the person who brought you to the great physician, the great doctor? Where would you be today? My life would not be where it should be. And we need to look at that world around us as people that need to get to the doctor's office that are sick and broken and take out every barrier it is around us in Clark Summit to say, you gotta come and meet the doctor that saved my life. You need him. You need him because he changed me. Our oldest son has, uh, was born with a large intestinal problem and we did whatever it took to find a doctor that would heal him. And we finally found one and guess what? We did whatever it took to get my son to that doctor. We flew back to the States. We found him and he helped heal him. And guess what? We tell other people with the same issue you've got to come to this doctor. He's unbelievable. Why? Because he changed our lives. And if Christ has changed your life, why are you not going around and finding people and grabbing them and saying, You've got to meet the doctor I go to? It's Jesus. And Matthew grasps that. Matthew understood it. That's why he started grabbing his old friends, saying, You've got to meet this doctor. Come, come to my house tonight. I'm gonna to have the biggest feast ever. Why? Because he was changed. And if we are changed, we're gonna do the same thing at Clark Summit. And we're gonna see this place explode with so many new people. We're gonna need three services. And as I close here, I want you to think right now. Number one, if you're an unbeliever and you do not know the love of Jesus Christ, I would ask you, have you found the medicine? Do you understand what it means that Jesus loves you so much that in the midst of your worst thing you have ever done, he said, I still love you. I forgive you because I died and I paid for that on the cross and I rose three days later and I'm going to give you new life. He wants you to come get healing today. And if you want to talk about that, talk with me or somebody after the service. It's a free gift of salvation and he wants to give that to you. Second. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. My question is, is is your check engine light going off today? Is your check engine light blinking? Do you need to check underneath the hood? Have we forgotten the reason why we're here? Have we forgotten the story of the gospel? And I want you to fill in this blank right now. You are in, filled in the name, this person's life for a reason. So that they can know about Jesus Christ. I am in this person's life for a reason to share Jesus Christ with them. See, sovereignty is not just that God knows everything, but that God has placed you specifically in this person's life so that you can be praying for them and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And think if everybody here wrote one name down, next year at this time, maybe we'd be double so big. You're thinking, right now, Rich, you're crazy. God can't do that. Oh, yes, he can. Ephesians 3, it says he can do above and beyond what we can think or imagine. And if we can imagine it here church, guess what? It's too small for God. Don't you think God wants to save that person in your life? Don't you think God put you there specifically at that job or that neighborhood because that person needs you to share the good news? God has orchestrated this perfectly to put you there perfectly so that you could say, I want to share this with you. Jesus did not do miracles in cities because of their unbelief. But he did great miracles. And he says, your faith has healed you. He was astounded by their faith. Do we have faith that Jesus will do this? Yes. Let's have faith that when we write down that name, that Jesus will save that person. That Jesus, with your faith in what you can do, you can save this person. And let's see in a year if God will double our church by new people coming. Let's see new converts, let's see new people coming, and it's the most glorious thing. And that's why Jesus is sending us out money through Saturday. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be as a church, I thank you for the opportunity to just share what was on my heart, Lord, with a story here in Matthew. And Lord, I just pray that we would have a fervor and passion to share Christ with Clark Summit, Lord. Love this city. We need more churches. We need more people coming to know you. Jesus, I pray that we would be so burdened for that person that we wrote down that we wouldn't sleep tonight. And then we would pray and say, Lord, I want to see them come to know you. And I'm going to do whatever it takes this year to see them come to know the great doctor and get the healing I've received. We love and thank you, Jesus. Amen.